The coronavirus has impacted every aspect of life. Even American college students returning from spring break have found a different world. With schools like Florida Atlantic University working remotely to ensure everyone's safety. The kind of graduation that we would be able to do now would have to be a virtual type of graduation. Practicing social distancing in Redoso, New Mexico, I'm Beatrice Silva. And from Cooper City, I'm Devin Simmons with South Florida Journal for the week of March 27th, 2020. Also this week, as South Florida responds to the coronavirus, Fort Lauderdale is still waging war on a different front. Another of the city's sewer mains has burst. So you have almost zero visibility. Divers are pretty much working with their hands only. What's next, locusts? We'll have these stories and more on this week's South Florida Journal. But first, from Hollywood, Zane Kermis has some of the other stories making South Florida headlines this week. As of Thursday, there were 169 confirmed coronavirus cases in Palm Beach County. On Wednesday, County Mayor Dave Kerner announced that all non-critical businesses, parks, and golf courses will close to prevent the spread of the virus, excluding essential businesses like hospitals and grocery stores. Mayor Kerner encourages residents to follow social distancing and self-isolation guidelines. Some may see this as a precursor to a shelter in place, some may not. Those orders will be forthcoming depending on how the community reacts and abides by these current orders. Anyone found in violation of this new order could be charged with a second-degree misdemeanor and up to 60 days in jail. This week, Palm Beach County Public Schools are distributing free lunch to students in need. Children under 18 can receive lunch at 29 distribution centers around the county. The sites will operate from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and allow parents to pick up food in a drive-through to avoid virus spread. Allison Monblau, director of Palm Beach County Public School Food Service, says that students must find their own transportation to the feeding sites. There's no bus transportation. Um, the parents have to either drive their children in or you can, you can bike in or walk in to the site. Starting next week, the district plans to include breakfast and dinner options in meal distributions. Tensions have reached a boiling point in Lake Worth Beach as the COVID-19 virus creeps its way into Palm Beach County. Mayor Pam Triolo's delegation of emergency powers to city manager Michael Bornstein angered Commissioner Omari Hardy. Hardy vented his frustration toward the council late last week at an emergency meeting that was only scheduled at his urging. He pointed blame at Triolo and said that she failed to act when city manager Michael Bornstein shut off the lights for Lake Worth utility customers with past due bills. We should have been talking about this last week. Can we? We cut off people's utilities this week and made them pay what could have been their last check to us to turn their lights on in a global health pandemic. But you don't care about that and you didn't want to meet. But every other year you go around and beg people for their votes. According to city manager Michael Bornstein, power has been restored to those affected while refund checks have been sent to utility customers. The COVID-19 virus is also wreaking havoc with Broward County businesses. Broward had 504 confirmed cases and three deaths as of 11 a.m. on Thursday. As a result, city officials have shut down all but 40 types of businesses in the city, including things like mail service, grocery stores, gas stations, and restaurants, but for takeout only. Broward County itself is second only to Miami-Dade County in the number of confirmed cases in Florida. Both counties are following Governor Ron DeSantis' order to shut non-essential businesses throughout Florida. In an Orlando event on Wednesday, 
DeSantis acknowledged the pandemic's effects on Florida citizens and offered assurance. This really has never been done in America before. And so this is something that it's, it's kind of like a real life experiment. You know, we're going to see how effective some of this stuff is in the immediate task. And then we're going to see what the consequences we're doing that uh, for the medium and long term. So my goals try to protect the public health as best I can. And that's obviously involves the virus, but it also involves some of the other public health issues that could also be impacted by what we're doing here. COVID-19 has gained momentum in Miami. Officials are monitoring the situation and have taken drastic measures regarding events like the Ultra Music Festival scheduled for last week. Juan Torres has details. The streets of the city of Miami have become a ghost town since the state issued a self-isolation advisory. Organizers of events such as the Ultra Music Festival have found it necessary to cancel the gatherings. Miami Police Chief Jorge Colina confirmed the decision in a March 12 press conference covered by the city of Miami TV. All, all special events, any, any permit that we have granted right now has been suspended, canceled. City Commissioner Joe Carroyo understands fans' disappointment, but has suggested their rescheduling due to the continued spread of the virus. Florida Atlantic University health science professor Michael Hall says the best thing to do is to minimize exposure from the pathogen. What they're doing by shutting down these large public gatherings is, is kind of forcing people to maintain distance between themselves and, and others. In a surprising turn of events, one of Miami's confirmed cases of the COVID-19 is Mayor Francis Suarez. But from his isolation at home, Suarez has been following the spread of the virus and issued a stay-at-home order. For South Florida Journal, I'm Juan Torres. Last year, watercraft activity was the leading cause of manatee deaths in Florida. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission and other manatee support groups have organized to address the problem. They aim to educate the public on ways to steer clear of harming marine life. Viviana Lopez has more. Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission and Boynton Beach Police spent two days rescuing a female manatee after being hit by a motorboat last month. The manatee was found at Harvey E. Oyer Jr. Park. FWC Manatee Rescue staff member Ian Anderson was helping at the scene. It had a very nasty, deep gash on the side of it. So it was an open wound, and it was from definitely a watercraft wound. So we had to save it immediately. After the rescue, the manatee was transferred to the Miami Seaquarium, where all injured sea life goes in South Florida. In efforts to prevent this from happening again, Ali Greco, communications and outreach manager at the Save a Manatee Club, has tips on how to spot an injured manatee. If it seems like it's having trouble breathing or it's acting kind of lethargic and weird, you might want to report that. As boating activity still frequently leads to manatee deaths, a variety of relief organizations are working to ensure the mammal's continued existence. For South Florida Journal, I'm Viviana Lopez. Those were some of the stories making South Florida headlines this week. From Hollywood, Florida, I'm Zane Kermis. You're listening to South Florida Journal. I'm Beatrice Silva in Ridoso, New Mexico. And I'm Devin Simmons in Cooper City. Remember to follow South Florida Journal on Instagram and Twitter at SoFloJournal. And for behind-the-scenes footage and more, follow us on Snapchat at official underscore SFJ. We apologize in advance for the audio quality of this week's program. All of us are working from home as most of Florida Atlantic University has shifted into remote work due to the coronavirus. Just ahead, 
As South Florida responds to the coronavirus, Fort Lauderdale is still waging war on a different front. Another of the city's sewer mains has burst. But first, the coronavirus has impacted every aspect of life around the globe. Even American college students returning from spring break have found a different world. With schools like Florida Atlantic University shifting to remote instruction to ensure everyone's safety. South Florida Journal's Summer O'Regan has been looking at the virus's effect on life at FAU and in surrounding communities. This week, she updated Kiara Walker. Thank you for joining us, Summer. Thank you so much for having me. So fill me in on this pandemic. How is it affecting Palm Beach County? Yeah, of course. So the coronavirus, or commonly known as COVID-19, is something that has spread extremely rapidly. I mean, this is something that every seven days, the number of cases doubles. And actually here in Palm Beach County, we are in a hot spot in terms of the confirmed cases. The confirmed number of cases in our county right now are 89 with three deaths. Um, Of course, this number is constantly changing you know, by the hour, even by the day, but that is the number right now. And Palm Beach County Commissioner Mark Bernard told the Palm Beach Post that extreme measures were needed in Broward and Miami-Dade counties where the numbers of infected people are skyrocketing. That's a lot of cases here in Palm Beach County. Have officials set up any more testing sites? Unfortunately, at the moment, testing centers are scarce, but officials are doing what they can to be able to create more. However, on Monday, Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens actually did open a testing site in their parking lot. However, this was only for individuals um, over the age of 65, and they had to have displayed symptoms of COVID-19. So it couldn't have just been, you know, anyone over 65, you had to have the symptoms. Also in our area, most non-essential businesses have closed and many events have been canceled. And unfortunately, there is an FAU student that did test positive for the virus. There is no knowledge of them being on campus or around any other students or faculty. It's known that the student came back to our area off campus and immediately quarantined themselves. This two-week quarantine is essential to be able to practice after traveling. And there are some different ways that people can prevent this spread. I spoke with Dr. Houston Hodges, a new PGY1, which stands for Postgrad Year 1, who studied at the American University of the Caribbean and is about to begin his medical residency in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And his advice is probably familiar to anyone who has carefully followed the recent media coverage of COVID-19. I think that the better that people can, you know, follow these recommendations and kind of take the initiatives themselves to use common sense and, you know, wash your hands, cover your mouth when you cough, stay away from our, you know, vulnerable, especially the elderly members, you know, if you're not feeling well, staying home, you know, everybody can do their part. So it is evident that Dr. Hodges believes that the sooner people really take social distancing seriously and take precautions, the sooner things will go back to normal. Interesting. So what steps is FAU taking to ensure that students are still getting the same level of education online as they would in person? So there are actually parts of online instruction that are more beneficial to students, such as being able to rewatch the lectures. You know, this is something that they might not have been able to do if we weren't in remote instruction. And it is nice for some students to be able to go back and look at those lectures for reference. On campus, the Hillel Library with their computer lab is still open at FAU, you know, that so that students can access their classes if they do not have a computer. 
Also, most resources that are offered at FAU are now offered virtually, such as tutoring, CAPS, which is the Counseling and Psychological Services, Academic Advising, and others as well. Also, most FAU professors are still holding their office hours just via FaceTime and other mediums. I got the chance to speak with FAU President John Kelly, and he offers his insight on how FAU is taking steps to try and make this transition to remote instruction successful. Well, what we've tried to do, we've supported our faculty in a lot of video capture type of work so that they can quickly, and it had to be very quickly, take their lectures or presentation material that normally have been presented in person and then being able to adapt that so that they're actually able to transmit that information and the student can then get online and, and be able to have the class essentially virtually. So as you can see, it is clear that President Kelly has been working hard with FAU faculty on how to implement learning remotely in an effective way. So, what are the university's future plans in terms of upcoming semesters and events? So the rest of the spring semester will definitely be conducted through remote learning. Uh, the summer term has also been declared to be remote learning as well. In terms of fall, it is too early to be able to judge you know, what will happen then. But FAU nor any other universities have released statements regarding fall because it just really does depend on the developments of the virus in the coming months. Um, but most of the FAU events for the spring semester have been canceled or postponed. And of course, the biggest question of all being, you know, the commencement ceremony for seniors to be able to celebrate that big accomplishment of graduating. FAU President Kelly explains more about this year's commencement ceremony and his ideas on how that will be facilitated. The kind of graduation that we would be able to do now would have to be a virtual type of graduation. My preference would be to do graduation, wait until the appropriate time that we could do it the right way, where students could bring their family members to the graduation ceremony. I don't know when, if ever, we'll ever go back to the handshake idea. It may be gone, but at least have the students be able to put their robe and gown on and be able to participate in a full graduation ceremony to the applause of their family members and friends. That's really important to me personally as president. So as you can see, President Kelly is still trying to deliver a commencement ceremony to the students who are graduating, since this is just such a special time for students and their families. It definitely seems like FAU is doing everything they can to help support their students during this unprecedented time. Thank you so much for your insight, Summer. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And that was South Florida Journal Summer O'Regan telling us about the unprecedented COVID-19 outbreak and how it has launched the practice of remote instruction at Florida Atlantic University. You're listening to South Florida Journal. I'm Beatrice Silva in Ridoso, New Mexico. And I'm Devin Simmons in Cooper City. Remember to follow South Florida Journal on Instagram and Twitter at SoFloJournal. And for behind-the-scenes footage and more, follow us on Snapchat at official underscore SFJ. We apologize for the audio quality of this week's program. All of us are working from home as most of Florida Atlantic University has shifted into remote work due to the coronavirus. Just ahead, as South Florida responds to the coronavirus, Fort Lauderdale is still waging war on a different front. Another of the city's sewer mains has burst. But first, Zane Kermis has a recap of some of the stories we've been following this week. 
As of Thursday, there were 169 confirmed coronavirus cases in Palm Beach County. On Wednesday, County Mayor Dave Kerner announced that all non-critical businesses, parks, and golf courses will close to prevent the spread of the virus, excluding essential businesses, like hospitals and grocery stores. Mayor Kerner encourages residents to follow social distancing and self-isolation guidelines. The COVID-19 virus is also wreaking havoc with Broward County businesses. Broward had 504 confirmed cases and three deaths as of 11 a.m. on Thursday. As a result, city officials have shut down all but 40 types of businesses in the city, including things like mail service, grocery stores, gas stations, and restaurants, but for takeout only. Those were some of the stories making South Florida headlines this week. From Hollywood, Florida, I'm Zane Kermis. You're listening to South Florida Journal. I'm Beatrice Silva in Ridoso, New Mexico. And I'm Devin Simmons in Cooper City. Fort Lauderdale has enough to worry about with the coronavirus, but the city's still waging war on another front. Since last December, more than 200 gallons of sewage have spilled into Fort Lauderdale's streets and waterways. The main culprit is a wastewater system that has almost reached the end of its 50-year lifespan. City officials have responded by launching a costly project to upgrade the water pipes, sewer pipes, and stormwater infrastructure in the years to come. But they're also working with environmentalists on an emergency plan to restore the waterways. South Florida Journal's Destiny Harris has been covering the story. This week, she sat down with Jordan Muskie and told her more. Thank you for joining us, Destiny. Thank you for having me, Jordan. So tell me, when did the city begin noticing this problem and assessing the damage with the water pipe? So the city of Fort Lauderdale has been dealing with this problem for years, and they more recently started to work on repairing the pipes in December after uh, the areas of Rio Vista, Victoria Park, and Coral Ridge were affected by six sewer main breaks, and Victoria Park began to flood in January. How widespread is this problem? So this problem has been affecting areas um, aside from Victoria Park, there's also Riverside Park and um, also the New River near Southwest 7th Street. Um, and so in these areas, you're seeing a lot of the pipe breaks and a lot of the um, damages uh, to the city that the Florida Department of Environmental Protection uh, started to fine the city $1.8 million to repair these pipes because that's how bad it had gotten. And um, uh, retired civil engineer uh, Ralph Zeltman uh, has been living in the city of Fort Lauderdale and uh, worked uh, on these areas um, for over 45 years. And so he talked about the history and discussed how uh, much damage has really been involved in the city and how widespread this problem has become. Said are from to each of the uh, quite a few lift stations throughout the entire city city that pumps into and manifolds into the larger force mains that eventually make it all the way to um, the wastewater treatment plant. So that was uh, Ralph Zeltman talking about how widespread the problem has become with the different water main breaks that have 
uh, led all the way to the uh, water waste treatment plant. It's really uh, also, you know, with dealing with the pipes, um, the aging of them, they were installed back in like the 1960s and 70s. So um, the city has known about this problem for a while. And so it has affected a lot of areas because of, you know, just the lack of replacement. Interesting. So I'm assuming one of those reasons why their water pipe has been neglected for decades, as you said, is because city commissioners have not invested the funds required to maintain the infrastructure of the water pipes. Is that a safe assumption? Yes, that is, you know, uh, correct. And, you know, Fort Lauderdale is not the only uh, city that has been dealing with this issue. And due to the 2008 financial crisis, a lot of uh, city commissioners had to make the tough choice of, you know, being pressed with their local budgets to cover other basic expenses, uh, such as, you know, salaries and uh, renovating parks and things like that. And so a lot of the funds that should have gone towards environmental efforts to prepare and replace these pipes were not being spent as they should have been. And so now you see a lot of divers having to work 30 feet below the surface in very harsh conditions, trying to uh, maintain these uh, sewer mains and water pipes. Um, so they've been trying to dig around the break and uh, place clamps and uh, around those water pipes, but those repairs are only a short-term fix to a very long-term problem. So did you get a chance? to speak to any of the divers who repaired the water pipes at the excavation site? If you did, how well are the divers equipped to handle these situations? So, yes, I did get a chance to speak to a few of the divers. Uh, they mentioned a lot of the conditions being very harsh. They have to work at night. It's very hard to see, and a lot of the sediment and sand moving around, uh, and they're, you know, diving deep below the surface of the, um, you know, water. So, uh, it's a very, uh, very lengthy process, and it comes with a lot of costly long-term repairs. And as Alex Gala, an industrial divers project manager uh, who's been working with the city for over 12 years, explains, you know, there's a lot of um, damage that they have to repair. So you have almost zero visibility. So the divers are pretty much working with... Um, their, their hands only, going by their sense of touch and their experience. So yeah, it's a very difficult situation to work in. The other issue is they, they have a hard time uh, reducing the flow of the sewage. So that makes it even more challenging to apply a repair clamp. So that was uh, Alice Galetta explaining the damages and the uh, protocol for repairing a water pipe breaks in the city of Fort Lauderdale. And uh, he explains that his divers are more than uh, equipped to handle these situations. Um, and they've been seeing them very uh, happening very close together in the last few months. So what is being done to prevent this from happening in the future? And where is the funding for this uh, plan coming from? You know, after seeing um, over 200 million gallons of sewage, this is, you know, talking about, like, enough to fill 320 Olympic-sized swimming pools, the city has come up with a plan uh, to 
replace the pipes indefinitely, and so there won't won't be as many like little repairs. So they plan on spending six hundred million over the next five years on repairs. And um, Fort Lauderdale City Commissioner for District Two, Stephen Glassman, explains a little more in depth about this plan. Water, sewer, stormwater. Um, you know, the work's not going to get done if we don't identify the monies. And we know that uh, we have uh, basically looking at about a $1.4 billion uh, cost uh, to, to get through this entire work. Uh, and we will. Um, but through a combination of bonds and a combination of raising uh, utility rates on all of these, um, you know, that's, that's how we'll get there. So that was uh, Stephen Glassman uh, talking about the plan to, again, uh, replace the pipes uh, in the Fort Lauderdale and area with the construction of a 7.5-mile iron force main, which should minimize service interruptions as well as allow the clearing of the waterways to the water waste treatment plant. And this will be uh, happening with uh, borrowing a lot of muck funds, um, you know, millions of dollars we're talking in water upgrades um, and uh, billions uh, over the next 20 years, and they've already started to replace about 5,000 uh, feet uh, in Victoria Park and have started listing uh, the water boil notices in a lot of the residential communities like Middle River and surrounding waterways. This definitely seems like a massive challenge for city commissioners, and I think the plan to redo the entire system will help residents in the long term. Thank you so much for your insight. You are very welcome. South Water Journal, Destiny Harris, telling us about the water pipe breaks in Fort Lauderdale. You've been listening to South Florida Journal. I'm Beatrice Silva. And I'm Devin Simmons. South Florida Journal is a joint production of Dr. Kevin Petrick's broadcast and advanced broadcast journalism classes in FAU School of Communication and Multimedia Studies. Hi, I'm Gabby Gleitman. I'm Tim Becker. I'm Tyler Murillo. And I'm Devin Simmons. And And we're we're your South South Florida Florida Journal producers. And here's the rest of the crew. This is Beatrice Silva with my fellow assignment editors. Hey, I'm Zane Kermis. And I'm Brianna Yagos. Our script gurus are... Kiara Walker. Sierra Mercer. And Max Ziffer. But let's not forget about social media. Stay connected and follow us at... South Florida Journal! Thank you for listening. And join us again in two weeks on OWL Radio. Thank you.